Welcome back to the Ritual and Routine Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Spirito, optimization advisor and yoga teacher, amongst other things. And I seek to bridge the gap, bridge the gap between the holistic and scientific, bridge the gap between the mind and the body, because I find that when we really are able to access and understand these bridges is when we find true sustainable health and healing. So with this podcast and with the work that I do, I serve to create actionable steps and to equip you guys with the knowledge and information so that way you have everything that you need in order to integrate them in your life if it if you find it fit to do so, so that you can focus on chasing the things that light you up. And of utmost importance to me when it comes to this podcast is that we create and we fortify community because connection is the name of the game here, y'all. It's the pinnacle of my practice. So not only connection to like-minded individuals, but also connection with ourselves, that intuitive connection and fostering that. So in that same vein, if we're not already connected, find me on Instagram at Ritual and Routine and let me know. Let me know what you like about this podcast. Let me know what you want to hear. And let's make this a conversation, okay? It's through that feedback and it's through hearing from you guys that I can make something really awesome and purposeful. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you feel inclined to share it, say, I don't know, through an Instagram story or something of the like, not only will I love you forever, just coming on really strong here. Uh, not only will I love you for it's funny because it's true. Not only will I love you forever, but it's through sharing and it's through sharing the things that resonate with us that other people who are like us on in our communities are able to find things um, that maybe they need that will resonate with them as well. So when you share, it's always so appreciated by me. Speaking of sharing, can we talk about, <laughs> you guys, the first episode of this podcast, I I don't even think there are adequate words to explain how grateful I am to have such a bomb-ass, bomb-ass, look at me, bomb-ass community such as you guys who are sharing my podcast, I mean, 30 plus of you put it on your Instagram stories, which each time one of you guys put it on your Instagram story, I was like peeing my pants in disbelief. It was just so incredible and really touched my heart. And then really what was just so amazing was the conversations that were started. So, so many of you guys reached out to me telling me that you saw parts of yourself and of your story within my story. And that is the whole reason why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place is to be able to create the infrastructure to have these conversations and to feel connected to one another because we are all dealing with these issues and life, you know, life is tough. And to be able to have the infrastructure and the permission slips that you need to, to really step into your power and embrace it to the fullest is what this is all about. So I cannot put, I mean, it just, I cannot appreciate you guys more. And it was really, you guys really showed out and like, I just, I really appreciate you guys. It was, it was just, (laughs) 
which is so amazing. So thank you. And it was really funny when I was asking my family. Um, so I just got to Florida a couple days ago, and my mom and my sister picked me up in the car. And I was like, did you guys listen to the podcast? Like, what did you think of it? And they were like, you know, gave me – they said that they loved it. They really liked it. But <laughs> they were like, so how do you edit it? Because there were a lot of pauses. And my sister was like, mm-hmm, lots of pauses. And my mom – my mom podcast. So I was like – all right, like, whatever. What do you mean by pauses? And she was like, well, from one podcaster to another, I just thought you should know. Um, I think I like the pauses. I don't think there's, maybe I'm like going crazy about these fucking pauses now, but I don't think there's too many pauses in here. In my mind, I like when there's a pause, you know, not anything too long to like give me room to breathe, but like just something to be able to help me digest the information as it comes to me. But let me know by all means, if there's too many pauses, we do not want that. I do want this to be able to be a cohesive journey for your ears. (laughs) When I asked my sister, um, what she thought of the podcast, she was like, well, you know, I know you, like, I know your story. She was like, it's honestly kind of weird to hear your sister giggling and being vulnerable. And I'm like, all right. So we're working on that. I'm just, I'm playing around. I love them. It's kind of like part of my family culture that we roast each other anyways. Um, if you haven't been able to tell by my Instagram stories, um, and maybe I shouldn't assume that you watch them, but if you don't, you're missing out on some quality shit. Um, anyways, but that's one of the things that I wanted to speak to today. Um, I had lined up and created essentially like a podcast bank of episodes that I wanted to release, but this happens to me with copy too. Um, I, of course, like when I was getting ready to like edit it and go through it, I suddenly was like, mm, I want to put out the podcast that I had planned for this week. So instead, here I am Sunday evening sitting in a room, locked myself in because I want to speak to you, which really showing up to me. And that's speaking to triggers around the holidays, um, boundaries around the holidays and eating and food and fear and what that feels like. And hopefully to be able to give you guys some infrastructure to be able to deal with and digest that well, because I know that that's something that I really struggle with being somebody who does not like to be under someone else's, um, Okay, maybe I shouldn't say I don't like being under someone else's roof per se. It's just I don't like being told what to do because I've been living alone for so long. So it's funny, like when you enter, you know, a lot of times we go home for the holidays and all of a sudden you are not number one big dog in your house anymore. Okay, you walk in and the funny thing about returning back to the family home is that any boundaries that you've created, especially if you're like in your 20-somethings, early 30-somethings, um, as soon as you step into your family home, those boundaries just suddenly gone. They wash away. They're nowhere to be found. And all of a sudden, as you stand, you are now standing in the boundaries that you created whenever you left the house, whether that's like 18 or whatever. Um, yeah, those are the boundaries that you have now. So then you have to, you know, always reestablish the boundaries to remind your family, yes, you know, the boundaries that I created 10 years ago, um, I actually have new ones and here they are and let's practice things, things, let's practice this. But the funny thing about family when it comes to boundaries is uh, they don't always feel compelled to respect them. (laughs) 
because unlike your friends, so your friends are a lot more apt to respect your boundaries because they know that if they cross you, um, they're kind of replaceable. Not to say that you should be replacing your friends, but like, you know, they're easier. There's someone that you could, they don't cross you because they don't, they want to respect those boundaries because they want to have a piece of you in their life and vice versa. But with family, it's like, oh, <laughs> your boundaries, that's adorable. Um, family's blood. Family's a lot harder to replace. <laughs> um, not that you can't replace, you know, create families um, in from a different source and create something more. Um, anyways, before I talk myself into a hole. Um what I mean to say is that it's a lot easier to talk shit to your sister than it is to your friend. <laughs> so when you return home, okay, and you step in that doorway and you feel that your boundaries that you created when you were however old you are now have just washed away and you've now assimilated the boundaries of the person that you were when you were 18 and left the house, you need to be very purposeful and respectful of the boundaries that you hold now, okay? And being very clear about what you need and what you expect and how things are done when interfacing with you, okay? I think that a lot of times we feel compelled just to like re-assimilate back into that version of us um, that was a part of the unit last time we were in the family household. But sometimes when we do so, we end up feeling really out of control because all of a sudden the boundaries that we created for ourselves, we now leave behind and it makes us feel really discombobulated. So a really simple tool that I like to use when it comes to boundaries and when it comes to just setting the tone for the day, not only just like during the holiday season, but whenever you're traveling is this idea of being master of the day. So already you're like master of the day. Okay. This sounds good. At least that's what I think. Um, and it's just a really simple energy shift of how you start your day. So this idea of being master of your day is that you wake up and I want you to decide that the first thing that you're going to do that day is something for you, something to fill up your cup. So that can be anything from like going to a yoga class, getting a green juice, something not even wellnessy. You could just like wrap yourself up in blankets and listen to music. I don't care. Okay. But it's something that you decided to just blah, blah, blah. It's something that you decided to do for you, for your well-being. And when we are now shifting the energy into you being the creator you being the master, you creating decisions and acting on them on behalf of yourself for the day. We're moving ourselves out of what can be, which is when we wake up and instead of, you know, becoming the master of the day, we take on and we receive events, things, you know, your mom saying, okay, I need you to wake up and go do this, that, yada, yada. You then, when you're in that receiving energy all day long, where people are, you're going along with a group plan, you're, you know, um, doing as you're quote unquote told, that you then start to feel like you're losing control, right? And it kind of, it rocks your foundation, even though you, you don't want, you don't want to say that it does. I know that for a lot of people, especially those of us who've been alone or, you know, on our own for a while, when you are back into that unit and you don't carve out that time to create decisions for your well-being, to carve out that time for yourself, 
it can feel kind of rocky, right? It, feel, it can feel like you're chasing time to find for yourself. So instead, plug it in at the beginning of the day. Let the people in your life know about it, okay? Like, tell your parents or your fa- or your brother and sister or whoever you're around, hey, tomorrow I'm going to do this, like, you know, or I'm going to carve out an hour for myself, just want to let you know, like, available after this time. Okay, so that way they're – there, there's an understanding there. Most of the time, your family just wants to know. They don't really give a shit about what you're doing. They just want to know what's going on with you. And they want to know, like, when they're going to have access to you. And also, like, think about the fact that, like, they're probably not even thinking about you feeling this, you know. Your mom's running around taking care of everybody, is, like, checking on, you know, is cooking all of the things. So just a really simple tool that really makes a big difference to shift your energy when it comes to setting the tone for your day. So that's the first thing that I have for you. The next is talking about, oh God, gotta love sitting at the dinner table and with your family. And especially if you have, if they have like different political points of view, if they come from different parts of the world and or country, Oh man, is that just a melting pot of contrast waiting to explode so that someone gets angry or someone cries? And I don't know. I come from a very Italian family and we're all very outspoken. So maybe I'm just projecting here, but I was just at lunch with um <laughs> I was just at lunch with my mom's family. It was my mom and then our two uncles um on my mom's side. And they, I mean, talk about type A personalities. Really, all of us. It's just a family of type A personalities where we all have very strong ideas about what we want in this world and what's right. And, oh, together, it is just a, just, just a sample platter of chaos. So, and just to give you an idea at this lunch that we had. So, my dad is... A very tall, how do I describe my dad? So he's like, he's like a, a more stoic Italian Larry David type. <laughs> like he doesn't look like him, but like personality wise, like he's like a lot more serious, but when he's open, he's hysterical and like really like, <laughs> you know, the boundaries thing is fun with us. Love you, dad. <laughs> but, um, and, like, also to give you a visual, like, the guy lives in button-down and khakis. Like, I've never seen him in a pair of jeans in my life. So whatever you're picturing in your mind, yes, it's him. So he is sitting next to my uncle who lives in Miami, who is cut from a very different cloth. Um, one of my uncles from Miami. Also, I'm going to be, like, lit on fire. I don't even know why I'm spilling the tea because I'm going to be lit on fire if they ever listen to this. My dad definitely will, but I don't know about my uncle. But I guess we'll just see. That's that's show business. I'm not like, this is show business. Well, who am I? Anyways, my uncle, back to it. This is me deflecting because I'm getting uncomfortable about the implications of one of them hearing this. But it's too funny not to share. So my uncle is, he lives in South Beach um he's very Italian like my mom is from Rome he's from Rome like off the boat but like now lives in Miami so has like kind of adopted like that Miami Italian persona so he like he owns he like chartered it's like this boat chartering situation and 
uh, was explaining to, oh, also DJs, <laughs> he DJs. So not to laugh because he's, he makes a, yeah, I don't know. But anyways, so he, uh, was explaining to my, uh, very stoic Larry David father, uh, in all khaki and button down that he was going to be opening a nightclub <laughs> on the beach, um, with zero nightclub experience and my father's face was something you should know about my family is we do not know how to hide our emotions at all with our faces it is a dead giveaway if you've ever talked to my sister you would know that because she has absolutely no filter with her face anyways so it was stare. I mean like I just was sitting there teeming with anxiety as I was watching my uncle explain this concept to my father and my father was looking at him like are you fucking kidding me like is this a good idea and I'm I'm just like oh this is gonna explode like for sure not that I don't doubt that he's gonna pull it off or anything but it was just watching the interaction of two type a men and then one of them having this facial expression that I'm like oh my god like am I watching a ticking time bomb right now and for me, being that, like, people pleaser, like, wanting to keep the peace and, like, wanting to make sure everyone's okay and taken care of, I'm like, how did we let this happen? Like, what? Um, luckily, my father's a lot. I mean, my my mother's also very outspoken, so I don't know. I, I don't know. It probably was best that he was the one receiving this information, um, but... I was just taking note of the way that I felt just simply watching these experiences happen and how I seemed to be so affected by something that did not involve me. The conversation did not involve me. I was just simply sitting across from them and overhearing the conversation, but at the same time was just suddenly so uncomfortable because I was anticipating reactivity. And for me, reactivity that's really strong, being a sensitive person, that is like, I am not into that. And what I notice is that with my old patterning would be to self-soothe and would be to be able to bring myself back down and find that dopamine release and bring myself out of that fight and flight feeling by using food. So normally what I would do would be to stress eat um, and anxiety and, and eat because I'm feeling really sensitive and very um, fearful of, of the tension that's, that I'm feeling. So instead of actually sitting with that emotion and letting it kind of course through my body and digest and be done with it, what I would used to do is that I would in order to buffer the feeling so that I wouldn't feel it anymore, in order to buy myself some temporary um, satisfaction so I could put off that feeling of discomfort, would be to eat or to, to drink something um, like alcohol or not like I would, you know, be chugging alcohol or anything on the table, but like would be to drink or like just be just be consuming something, all right? So it was really interesting to sit there and to feel what like my my go-to pattern would be 
and think to myself, wow, like I actually did feel in that moment compelled to want to participate in that behavior. But because of the work that I do and because of, you know, I, I, you know, really deprogrammed a lot of that out of me. Um, I didn't feel that reaction and I was able to actually just sit there and say to myself, and this is what I very much encourage my clients and you all to do as well. When you are watching or a part of these experiences is how can you disempower the anxiety and disempower the anxiety just by speaking to what you're actually anxious about. And I know this sounds so trivial, but it makes the biggest difference. So in that moment, being able to say, I am anxious because I feel like I'm watching a ticking time bomb of a conversation, but I know that this has nothing to do with me and that it will all resolve the way that it's supposed to. It's out of my hands. Okay. Simply by stating why I'm anxious allows me the space to not feel like I have to run away from that feeling and allows me to be able to feel it. Okay. Half the time, why we're so anxious is because we do not want to acknowledge why we're anxious. We're like, if we can just pretend like it's not there, maybe it'll go away. It doesn't. So instead of just pretending like the anxiety isn't there, look it in the eyes and say, hey, I see you. And when you say, hey, I see you, it takes away the power of it. So I know that this is something that happens with a lot of my clients is that they feel, you know, maybe they have a triggering parent or there's a triggering personality or there's someone who exhibits um, disordered eating who will be at the table with them. And they will feel that wave that comes over them where it's this anxiety. They're suddenly put in this fight and flight and their first impulse is to want to reach for the food to self-soothe because that is their pattern. So instead, we speak to breaking the anxiety by speaking to it and then allowing yourself the space to fully feel it. And I think that's something that has really helped me is the idea that negative emotion is by design, okay? So being able to have those signs and signals that tell us that we're uncomfortable is all a message, okay? So what can we do when we're in that moment where instead of feeling this wave of negativity where we can extract what the message is trying to tell us and instead of leaning into the negative connotation around it, how can we bring it into neutrality? For me, the, the first part of this recipe is anytime with anxiety is, is acknowledging that I am projecting something that has yet to happen um, because I want to be prepared. And it's really, it's the brain, right? It's the brain's way of trying to protect us is by saying, okay, I want you to be prepared for this thing. So we're going to imagine the absolute worst so that when it comes, you're ready. But the thing is, is that most of the time it doesn't fucking happen. So we go through the experience and we feel this experience that hasn't even happened. So for me, it really helps me just to anchor myself in that reality of understanding that anxiety, the root of anxiety always has to deal with disconnection. Okay. So as soon as I'm able to acknowledge that and I'm able to extract the message and I'm able to bring things into a neutral perspective, 
oof, man, do I feel so much better. And I no longer feel like I need to anchor this anxious, whirling mind that brings me up to the clouds and imagines the worst with food, right? I then feel like I'm anchored back in my reality and like I have all the tools that I need to be able to digest what's happening in the moment. So if you're somebody who is easily triggered by situations such as the one that I spoke of, something that I would really encourage you to do even before entering the party or entering the lunch or the dinner or what have you is taking 10 minutes just to get really crystal fucking clear about being grounded and feeling good and putting yourself in this energy where you can roll with the punches, okay? So whether that be, you know, just taking some a couple breaths outside to be alone and to gather yourself and to feel grounded and really, I think it really helps to be outside because you can kind of take in the environment and it brings you out of your mind and in, into the outside world, um, which I think really helps to bring you, drop you right into the present. I think that really helps. I think that is something that can really make a lot more of a difference than you. Because it, we have it in our heads that we're always meant to be comfortable, whenever we feel that feeling of discomfort, we think, oh my God, like something is off of baseline. Like how dare I feel discomfort? So instead of just accepting that discomfort is a part of our lives and that discomfort is really just the message. We we wrap it in this negative connotation and then we buffer around it, right? We use the food to try to put off feeling this discomfort. The thing is, is that you're either going to feel the discomfort as it happens, so in the moment and really allow yourself to feel it, or you're going to use the food to soothe yourself in the moment, but you're pushing back the time at which you will feel the discomfort because ultimately the discomfort has to be felt. So you get to decide, do you want to feel the discomfort as it happens or are you going to try to de delay the discomfort by using food but knowing that in the back of your head that you're going to have to deal with the discomfort anyways. So now not only when you use food in order to self-soothe, are you delaying the discomfort that you're going to have to deal with? You've now added an additional layer of discomfort because you see yourself using food for something that doesn't require food. You see yourself using an antidote that is wrong for the poison, right? So then that creates an additional layer of discomfort and guilt and shame. So you get to decide which one do you want to deal with? Do you want prolonged discomfort or do you want to feel the discomfort within the moment. Okay, now I want to speak to something that I see being a trigger for a lot of my female clients who struggle with the plate or are, you know, um, repairing the relationship with themselves and with food is this idea of being around another individual who struggles with a plate and food or their own self-esteem and being triggered by them. So what that can look like is someone saying, say you're sitting at a dinner table and someone says, well, I, you know, I did a 90 minute spin class today. So like I can have this piece of bread or, oh, I really shouldn't have had that. I really shouldn't have had that extra roll, but I guess I'm going to have it anyway. Whatever. Fuck it. Like, oh, I shouldn't have had that. Or they're body checking or they're asking you if they look 
fat or big, these types of comments. Usually our first impulse when we hear those comments is not to look at what that comment means for that person as it's coming out of their mouth, but instead we take it to imply something about ourselves and our own self-discipline. So this is a really interesting thing that we do is that we see and we hear these comments that are actually this person's either need for validation to confirm that whatever it is that they're doing is in fact okay because they're so out of the reality and they're so um, lost and feeling out of control that they need someone to confirm that what they in fact are doing all right or in a sick way that we do as humans they're looking for someone to say no that isn't okay so that it confirms the limiting belief about themselves that they are not good enough or that we are not good enough okay because we participate in these behaviors as well but I'm just speaking at it from the trigger viewpoint as opposed to as it's happening within our bodies so when that happens Instead of allowing this to be now a conversation of, oh my God, well, if they're having, if they're like having this conversation around, if that's too much carbs for them, then like, am I not being self-disciplined enough? And like, am I having too many of that? Or, oh, should I have worked out to have earned that as well? Or being upset because you feel like you are out of control because this person is is explaining how they are feeling out of control. I want you to, instead of implying it to mean something about you, to take a pause and to understand that whenever someone speaks that language into existence, it's because they are struggling and they need, again, someone to either validate that it is okay or validate and confirm their limiting belief that it is not okay. Again, when this behavior is happening and if it's a trigger for us, it's usually because this was the conversation that we used to have in our heads or used to say, or it's the conversation that we're trying to get ourselves out of the habit of having, of looking for that validation and, um, you know, to either confirm or deny, right? So they're feeling so out of reality that they're just seeking for someone to anchor them okay so in that moment absolutely first of all do not shame them for having those thoughts because when you are and I know that a lot of us have felt those thoughts before it is very scary and the last thing you want is for someone to be like well you're skinny enough or blah 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 like you don't want anyone to say those things because it's that's not what you're actually struggling with, right? That's not what the person's actually struggling with. So never shaming them for having those thoughts because knowing that they are, they're struggling when they're having those thoughts, but not also not engaging the behavior. Instead, if you can provide some language for that, if, if it requires it, um, I would say don't even engage with it, but if it requires it, just to be like very loving and very neutral, okay? Um, but then something very important when not engaging the behavior is I want you to send them love. Okay. So now when you're hearing this comment that is, could be extremely triggering, blah, 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 <laughs> triggering for you that 
you know now, you've taken the pause, you've been able to see that it's not something that they're projecting onto you, that it's simply a mirror through which that they're seeing themselves. And then now you're moving to this energy of, instead of being on the offensive, of being able to say, oh, I see you for who you are, you're human, and I see your struggle, and I'm sending you love. You don't need to say this verbally, but if you can say it in your head and send them something and send some compassion their way, you will notice a drastic change of the way that you are feeling. And and if anything more connected to yourself and your tuition and your body than you were before. So that is one way to flip a trigger like that on its head. Other things that feel scary for us sometimes during the holidays is all of those really good baked goods and all the treats and the the celebration that is really actually so amazing, right? It's like for me and my family, like our our holiday traditions, a lot of them revolve around food. And that's like really the most wonderful thing about food. Food is so cultural. Food is, there's so much identity that is within food. But when we have this fear of food and when we are restricting ourselves from having access to certain foods and vilifying foods, again, if you follow me on um, Ritual and Routine on Instagram, you know I always say, when we make food sexy, and how do we make food sexy? We make food sexy by saying that we can't have it. And you know, as well as I do, from those bad boys in high school, that you always want what you cannot have. So psychologically, when we're telling ourselves that something that we know isn't inherently bad, because when you think about a certain food, okay, the food itself is neutral, okay? The food is the food. But the bad and good pieces are what we clothe it in, okay? It's the connotation that we wrap around the food. So when we tell ourselves these beliefs that this food is bad, this food is good, and that, um, say, we'll just say, for example, we're talking about a quote-unquote bad food. You know, actually, let me back up. Let me just speak about a – I'll speak into an experience that I had – during the season. So I remember a couple years ago that I, so it's a, it's a typical family thing for my family. We usually have Christmas cakes like panettone and pandoro, these Italian Christmas cakes, or at least I think that they're Christmas. I don't know. I, yeah, we always have them during that season. So I just assume that they must be. Besides the point, you guys now can, can see how wrapped up in details I get. Anyways, it was tradition for my family that around Christmas time, we usually have like a slice of pandoro or panettone with some tea and we all have it for breakfast and then we go about our day. But I remember so specifically a couple years ago when I was really struggling with the plate and really struggling with self-esteem that like my sister and my mom were having this and I remember looking and being like, fuck, I want to have that, but like I can't have cake for breakfast. Like out of my fucking mind so instead of having the thing that I wanted to have that we did you know that we used to do all the time I remember I had something for breakfast that I didn't want and instead of just having the fucking piece of cake and going about my day I then was just like thinking incessantly about it because again I made it sexy I made something sexy um that had some cultural importance to me 
that's besides the fact. Um, so what do I do? I spend all these cognitive calories thinking about this piece of cake that I could have been using doing, I don't know, other things like saving the world, LOL. Um, but instead I am so fixated on this. So I remember then the second day that I'm like, okay, you know what? Like I end up again denying it for breakfast. And th at this point I'm like pissed off. Okay. I'm like, angry because I'm like I just want the piece of cake but I'm like I'm the only one who's holding myself back and so I'm there and I'm just waiting for someone to be like to, to free me of my food rules right and so instead I decide to like semi try and free myself by saying okay you know what like fine I'm gonna have some of this cake I'm just gonna have some so I decide that I'm gonna have some of this cake and during the experience, I remember, and, and, and this is something to, to note, is that anytime we make these foods sexy and we actually don't allow ourselves to fully experience them when we are experiencing them, we feel like we have to have them and eat them and consume them really fast because it's almost like we think that like, oh, I better eat this thing now before my brain catches up and realizes that I'm breaking one of my food rules, which is one of the most absurd things of all time that I know happens across the board to people who struggle with this, um, because I work with people who struggle with this. Um, but I just find it so interesting that when we do allow ourselves to have the chance to enjoy these foods, when we are restricting, we instead try to eat these foods as fast as possible so that way we can almost clear it out of our memory because of the dissonance that it causes us. Problem with eating foods as fast as possible is that we're not actually taking part in the sensations. We're not tasting the food. We're not taking the texture and we're not asking ourselves the questions whether we like it or not, what it reminds us of. Um, we're robbing ourselves of the experience by eating it so fast. So then by the time that we've had this, this slice of cake, that if we were to, to normally eat that quantity in a mindful amount, we would enjoy, we don't find the satisfaction. And you're like, what? Okay, maybe I need to be having more then because you didn't have the experience the first time because you're too we're, we're too excited to get it inside of our bodies that we don't actually tune in. So then we end up needing more to complete and, and give us that sensory experience that we robbed ourselves from. So we have more, right? And this can sometimes lead to a binge. And a binge for me, what that means to me is eating more than the amount that you, that you're getting the green light from your body and from your mind. Okay. It's whenever it feels low vibe for you. It's, it's, I would say that like, it can be, it doesn't matter the food. It doesn't matter the context. It really just matters on at what point do you feel like that experience is now a low vibe experience for you due to the speed or the quantity that which you ate. Okay. So I'm eating this thing and I'm eating this piece of cake and I'm eating more of it and more of it than I would have if I just allowed myself to mindfully enjoy it in the first place because I'm so afraid that my brain's going to catch up and it's going to reprimand me and it's going to say, look here, look, here's evidence that you do not have the willpower. Here's evidence confirming limiting beliefs that you are not good enough. And 
that is the thing that then that's the major point of like when we do end the binge that we come into it I say black into it almost because it feels like we're in a blackout when the binge is happening and feel this immense guilt and shame right so how can we mitigate this Well, one, recognizing that most of the time when we're using food in the first place, and this is just really pulling it back, we're using food because we're looking to buffer the way that we're feeling at the time. We're feeling some discomfort or a lack of satisfaction, so we're using food in order to bring us that satisfaction or comfort. And then two is we're we're not allowing ourselves and we're uh, to participate in sensory experiences with food where we're restricting from foods that we know are inherently bad but we've implied food rules and meaning to it um, and whenever we make food sexy and we pull away from it we will ultimately violate those food rules because we know that they're inherently not bad so I think that being able to be very kind with yourself and understand that restriction is never the answer. Instead, it's always going to be, how can you validate that what you want is available at your fingertips at all times, okay? So never make scarcity a thing. Instead, allow yourself to enjoy those things that you find, you know, to be part of your culture, to, that are part of the holiday season. And, Take a check-in with yourself. Every And I really encourage this every single time with, I mean, despite holidays or not, is every time that you are going to participate in something that might feel a little bit scary for you or eat something that might feel a bit scary for you is take a pause and see, okay, first of all, is my mind saying that I actually want this? If you're getting a green light, awesome. Body. Is your body saying that it's actually wanting this? Is it hedonic? Is it is it homeostatic hunger? Like what's happening there? If your body's getting a green light and you know that you're going to be able to enjoy it and be able to enjoy it mindfully, then allow yourself to have it. I mean, allow yourself to have it anyways, but like be respectful of your body's signs and signals. So as you're enjoying the food and as you are, you know, making these decisions, I want you to be really kind to yourself and I want you to really allow yourself to enjoy the experience. So take in the texture, allow yourself a lot of time to have the experience. Okay. Um, food is an eating is a sensory experience and we forget that like it's needed from a biological perspective that when we see the food, we need to be able to smell it. We need to be able to see it. Our brain has certain things that it needs to be receiving from other sensory organs other than taste so that it can signal for us to produce certain enzymes um, so that way we can actually feel the satisfaction of being full and the satisfaction of, of actually enjoying these things. So know that restriction is never the answer. Instead, how can we take those pauses intentionally and how can we create infrastructure to be able to enjoy the food and impart positive meaning and positive vibe? Because when we eat the food, when we're in fight and flight, it's a completely different experience than when you're eating the food when you're relaxed. If you're in fight and flight, your body is not even able to produce you 
or produce you or to, to give you the biomechanics for you to digest anything well in the first place. So you're already doing yourself a disservice by getting so stressed out about these things that are really actually meant to impart joy, right? If instead we can take the pause and we can have gratitude and be thankful for the opportunity to experience cultural things like this with our family um, or to be able to have access to these foods in the first place and be able to look at it with love and be able to look at it and experience it and taste and texture and and be able to have the whole sensory experience, we then will feel so much more satisfied by an amount and the time that will also feel good for your body as well. So I want you to make sure that you spend extra, ex whoa, my voice just cracked, you guys. Wow, that was crazy. I'm a 12-year-old boy again, again. <laughs> that's how rumors get started um but be extra specially kind to yourself the holidays are fucking dope but they can be really hard on us who are more sensitive and who have issues with the plate and yeah so anyways I hope that today provided you guys with good infrastructure with the actual steps that you need in order to really take on the season and feel really, really good about it. I know that I am. I have some Christmas traditions that I am particularly excited about. Um, my sister usually makes this big cinnamon roll, like by scratch with the dough for breakfast on Christmas morning. I don't know if she's going to make it. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Francesca, cough, cough. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably won't even listen to it until like after Christmas. Anyways, <laughs> I'm like trying to throw some subtle hints, just selfish plugs in here for like what I want for Christmas morning. <laughs> I'm unbelievable. Um, but I hope that you enjoy any holiday traditions if you're selling if you're celebrating um there's so many different holidays that are happening right now so just enjoy them and enjoy your family and enjoy this time that you have and make sure to carve out some time for you to fill up your cup and find some rest because that's really what it's all about is being able to do so within the context of your home and your family all right with that being said you guys i hope that you guys enjoy this podcast and please, if you feel inclined, if this resonates with you, feel free to share. Again, let's be connected. If we're not already, follow me at Ritual and Routine. Let me know how you enjoyed this. Otherwise, enjoy your all's holiday. And wow, 2020 is quickly approaching. Who's ready? I'm ready. I'm always ready. I don't know. For me, it's like not like the biggest like landmark or not landmark milestone like the new year is never like I'm never like I'm gonna overhaul my life I definitely have like intentions that I set for the new year that are really big right I definitely have big intentions but I never feel like I feel like I go through like these multiple big expansive periods about like three times a year so the new year for me is just like another one of those mile markers but I'm excited for it I feel like it has some big shit in store for me I would love to hear if you guys No, actually, you know what? Maybe I'll put this on my stories. I want to hear like what you guys have intentions or like what things that you want to accomplish in the new year. 
that would be really cool. That's always really inspiring. That would get me really juiced up is to hear what you guys have in store because it's like from that that we can create a collective and like I don't know. I think it's always really great. It's really inspiring to hear what you all have going on, got going on. Anyways, <laughs> I will keep talking if I don't shut up. <laughs> so I hope you guys have a great holiday season. And I will chat with you guys. Probably I'll release one right before the new year, but we'll see what happens. All right, guys. Take care.